0: dare to self-care. I'm Jen, lifestyle YouTuber and your host of this podcast, where we dive deep with insightful guests to find out how self-care has played a role in their success. Welcome to our community. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our community. I hope everyone has had a great week so far. Happy Tuesday, if you're listening to this When I've uploaded it, we have a very exciting guest this week. But before we get into that, let's get into what was in alignment for me this week and what was out of alignment this week. And you guys reflect on your weeks as well. Okay, honestly, a lot of in alignment this week. It's been a good week. It's been an exciting week. It's been an exciting two weeks. I feel like in the summer, if you listen to my intros, I was like, all right, there's a lot going on. I'm having a lot of plans, but like, I'm ready for fall, I'm ready for winter, and this is just when I thrive. The type of plans people want to make in this weather, the date nights in this weather, people aren't trying to, you know, go off to the Hamptons, like just things that we're doing in this weather is so much more my vibe. Lots more time to focus on me and my work, but then also cuddly nights with friends and nights out where we're wearing big fur coats like it's just so much more my vibe I went ice skating with Ethan this week um he also ran a marathon so Ethan ran a marathon yesterday in Philadelphia the Philly marathon 26 miles seven minute pace he finished that marathon in about three hours I'm so proud of him that was his first official marathon he's ever ran and of course you know He's very competitive with himself, so now he's like, I got to beat three hours. Now I have to do a triathlon. He's insane, but I'm so proud of him. I also had Friendsgiving with my Rumble friends, and it just was so fun. I can't even tell you. Also, I don't know if you can hear it, but you're sitting on my computer that you know when it feels like it's going to blow up, like it's so heated. Yeah, that's what's happening right now, so I'm sorry if you hear that fuzzy noise. It's because my computer is about to blow up. But anyway, we had the best time at Friendsgiving. I made the best cheese board of all time. And I think it's my new favorite thing to do. It's my new hobby. I want to make cheese boards every day. It's an expensive hobby, but it's worth it because everyone loves a cheese board. Everyone finds it to be a hit. It's gorgeous. I mean, uh, my new favorite thing. (laughs) I also had a night out with my high school friends for one of my best friend's birthdays. And that just like, was the best night ever we had the best time and then I woke up I was out till like 1 30 and then I woke up to work at rumble at 8 a.m. until 4 p.m. and it was just like honestly really funny (laughs) it's like I honestly don't dread going to work I love it so much I'm just I'm feeling happy I'm I'm just trying to like sit with where I am right now and like just enjoy it instead of always looking to the future and I'm really content with how things are going right now so I also have been testing out some editors and I finally feel like I have found the perfect people in terms of affordability, in terms of turnaround time and workflow and how we work together and also like how they understand my style, my vibe. So I have Amanda Wan who was on this podcast, my friend. She does my vlogs. I'm going to probably have her help me out like twice a week and she just gets it. I mean, she's a lifestyle vlogger herself, so she definitely gets it. And then I'm having another editor help me out with a video I'm so excited to post tomorrow. It's gonna be the five best coffee shops to work from in lower Manhattan. And I went all around the city. It was like hosty vibes. I just, it was, it was so fun. And I'm so excited to share it. And I had an editor help me with that. And that's been the smoothest, like, back and forth editing process ever she just really read my notes like you can send an editor such detailed notes you could send them inspiration to watch you can send them fonts and like really try to share your style with them and they just kind of ignore it but she really gets it and it's been so seamless so I'm very excited I feel like I found two people to really help me whenever I'm feeling overwhelmed I can just send off some videos to them to help me edit and I think it's just a really efficient way and realistic way to be running everything I'm running right now. On that note, I'm also officially, as of yesterday, Monday, only on one client for PR. So I'm only working on the class, formerly known as the class by Taryn Toomey. And that's it through the end of the year. So that was much needed because I feel like taking on Shelby almost as a freelance client, Shelby Church, editing her videos, helping her produce and outreach for some of her content coming up, It's almost like taking on another client. So that's, you know, in lieu of the other client. So I just feel like things are going more smoothly. I'm being social while also working on my career by like efficiently handing things off and getting things off my plate where I see fit. So I'm just feeling really good about everything. I'm excited to go home for Thanksgiving. I haven't been home in so long because I work Sundays at Rumble. I work nights like... It's just hard for me to get some time to go home, so I'm very excited. And then out of alignment, honestly, I couldn't think of one, and I decided let's not push myself to think of one and talk about how I haven't meditated. Let's just <laughs> be positive this week. I'm feeling very grateful for where I am currently. I feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm trying to just enjoy it. This chapter in my life, I'm really, I'm happy for, and I'm content, so I think that's a great note to leave it on because it's the week of Thanksgiving. I'm feeling very grateful. I encourage you all to just sit back, do a meditation on, you know, being where you're supposed to be, do some breath work and make a gratitude list because it's Thanksgiving. So I, you know, also on that note would say, honestly, the holidays are very stressful. It's like you're trying to split time a lot of the time with people. You're anticipating some anxiety around family time. It just, it's an anxious time. So Let's just try to stay grateful. We'll all get through it together. And let's breathe in what was in alignment for us this week. Breathe out what was out of alignment for us this week. (sighs) All right, let's intro this week's guest. His name is Eric Bigger. He is a TV personality and motivational speaker. You might know him from The Bachelorette on Rachel Lindsay season, also Bachelor in Paradise. But you might be surprised and excited to learn that he is also an author of some self-help books. He just launched a book That has a ton of, actually, specifically 100 quotes for you to also workbook through. So we'll talk about that in this episode. And he talks all about how your mindset can change your life. So we dived into how to use spirituality practices to attract dream opportunities, how to trust the timing in your life, how to stop people pleasing and start setting healthy boundaries and start communicating and how to actually do that how The Bachelorette affected his mental health and actually strengthened his mental health and his perspective on life, and how to create healthy boundaries. Already said that. (laughs) All right. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts if you have not yet. I'm building out my website and being able to use these reviews has been so helpful and so fun to read through. Also, go subscribe to my YouTube channel, Jen Lauren. I'm super excited about this coffee shop video coming out tomorrow. It's really fun. So even if you don't live in New York City, I'm gallivanting around the city. So it's fun to watch and I will see you guys next week. Mwah. Eric, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, how you doing?
0: (laughs) I'm great. I'm excited for this episode. How are you doing?
1: I'm phenomenal. Happy to be here on this nice Friday and get to talk and self-care, huh? Dare to self-care. Yes. Yes. Happy
0: Friday. (laughs) Hope everyone takes care of themselves this weekend. (laughs) Love it. Okay, well, let's start there. So what's your top self-care tip that has played a role in your success?
1: I think, honestly, you know, I don't even think I know it's uh, my internal self-care, right? My, um, my, my internal well-being, my spiritual self, um, the soul, uh, the higher consciousness. And every day I have a routine. Uh, I pray. I meditate. Uh, I do affirmations out loud. I write gratitude statements. I even have a healing mat that I might lay on for five minutes, you know, before I leave out the house. Um, and if I do those things depending on my day, I usually start with a workout right you know I always say it's very cliche and for me uh motion changes emotion when you move your body you move the energy around in it so those things are what helps me stay healthy mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually and then all those things turn into uh financial gains right because I'm increasing my self-care, which which increases my frequency, which allows me to track the opportunities to fulfill my role in this thing we call life. So
0: I love that. I love how you just right from the get-go shared the message of self-care and internal healing can ultimately yeah. lead to opportunity and abundance. And it's so true. And I really like to get into the nitty gritty of how that happens instead of just, you know, using all these fluffy buzzwords and it yeah. just sounds like a load of bullshit. But really, when yeah, you yeah. get super granular with it, step by step, it makes so much sense. So I'm curious, like, what do you attribute your interest in spirituality and in healing and in, in mindset and in mindfulness practices? Like, when did you start to get into it or to really recognize that these – you know, taking care of yourself can ultimately lead to a a greater life really overall.
1: Well, I think mine started early on as a child. I probably was, uh, I think my first, you know, my mom and like, you know, my dad, I didn't grow up in like a, you know, mom and dad household and it's kind of dysfunctional family. So my upbringing was, it's a lot of pain and trauma just from not having like stability when it comes to mom and dad in the house. Um, the environment I grew up in was negative. So we always talked about religion. We always talked about church or Christianity. You know, you always talk about the Bible. But I think when I was like 15, 16, I was aware that I started to pray, right? And it wasn't like we didn't grow up in a church. We wasn't forced to go to church. I didn't go to church every Sunday. I actually didn't even have a church that I could remember that we chose to go to. I just knew every Easter we, we tried to go to church, right? So for me... I just think I've always had a spiritual essence to my being that led me to, you know, interpretations, epiphanies. My intuitions was speaking to me, so I would pray like every every night. But it wasn't like somebody was forcing me. But it was like something over me. Like you need to pray. I mean, I would wake up in the middle of the night, like, oh, it's God. You know, blah 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 blah. You know, but it wasn't like it, I just would do it, and over time. I was curious because in the environment I grew up in, you even sold drugs or you played sports, right? As a man, if you wanted to make it. And my influences, the men in my family were in the streets. They did really well. <laughs> they sold endless drugs. <laughs> but that was my reality, you know? But they did what they had to do to take care home. And my dad was more of a uh, provider, not a guider. Like, he bought me sneakers and video games. He took me to the basketball practice and basketball games. But he didn't show me how to really play the game or. He didn't even show me about how to pray or things that you would get in a household when you have mom and dad present. So for me, I just knew there was something more than just Baltimore City, more than just selling drugs and playing sport. I always had a curious mind. And over the years, it just – and then you get older. And then I was in L.A. You know, I got to L.A. at 22, fresh out of college. Thought I knew everything. Didn't know anything. And I failed (laughs) tremendously. Had a one-bedroom apartment with the roommate that I found on the Craigslist. I was sleeping on his couch for a year, paying $500 a month, and you know, catching a bus to the Beverly Center because I worked a $8 eight an hour job at a sneaker store for a college degree, and I graduated with honors. It was like so humbling. So I started opening up books, Making Grow Rich, The Secret, As A Man Thinketh, and started applying these things to my life, and I started to see things evolve and manifest. I'm like, okay, this works. And then I got to a point where I was making money. I got a job at Amicrombie as a manager, and I stopped doing the work, right? Because like you said, I can say, hey, I do this, I do that. But you Mm -hmm. have to do the work. (laughs) You have to be consistent for the work to work. And I just, you know, as I got older, I just started realizing like, And then you work for yourself. When you work for yourself, it's a different mentality. Because you are the product. You are the opportunity. You are the entity that drives your business. So what I discovered when I first quit my first job at Anne I had all this time, but I was just so overwhelmed. I'm like, what do I do with all this time? I had no real job. So then you you waste a bunch of time trying to figure out what to do or you do a bunch of stuff and then you're free. So I started to build a structure around my life. I started studying the Oprah's of the world, the Gary Zukos, the Bob Proctor's, the Tony Robbins, uh, the Mary Morsey's, the Mel Rock, right? Like, what are they doing? These people are highly successful. What are they doing? Transcendental meditation, affirmation, um, peace, surrender, all these things. And so I chose those things, or they chose me, I like to say, and I found a way to kind of put it into my vortex, what makes sense for my life and my livelihood to create a structure that can help me. And over the years... You know, because you, 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 you always evolve when you're always working. You just get more epiphanies, more understanding. And then my life started changing when I start letting go, right? Letting go of control, um, trying to be in control of my life. Like, oh, I got more power in the universe. So if I don't work this job, I can't eat. If I don't do this, I can't make money. Whereas like, really, the less I work, the more money I made, or the more opportunity came. Because I wasn't trying to chase it. I was attracting it because I was letting it happen for me instead of trying to make it happen. Uh, so to speak, but you know it was. That's how it all came into evolve, and then you have to consistently every day do the work, and it's tedious. Some days when I wake up, I don't feel like meditating. I don't feel mm-hmm. like you you praying and doing all these things that's been working, but I know I'm at a point now subconsciously. Sometimes I forget. Like, damn, did I pray this more? Like, yeah, meditate. Because I'm up at 5, 5.30, it might be noon, I'm like, did I? I already did all that before I even left the house because it's in, in, implemented into my um, subconscious and it's a part of my world now. And so those things have helped me not only evolve, but heal when I'm going through something very stressful or if I don't have the answers to understand the circumstance I'm experiencing. So spiritual currency, I always say that's the number one currency in these times because people are waking up. We're in the age of Aquarius. It ain't enough just to have money and not to have some spiritual currency. It's not enough to have money and not be happy. Or it's not enough to have power and you don't know yourself. So I'm always about who am I? What am I? Why am I here? What is my intentions? How do I impact the world with what I know and what I have? so I'm always coming from the internal to implement or impact the external.
0: I think that's so important because it comes back to self-awareness and I think self-awareness is so powerful and all of these practices allow you to be aware of your bad habits, your reactions, how you're perceiving the world and how how you know what your mindset truly is and how you're actually perceiving things because when you quiet everything else out and shut everything else out and have that practice every single morning, it leads to so much greater things. Cause it, it also, I love how you were saying it's, it's doing the work. Cause I think this buzzword self-care or even spirituality, it's like, it's almost like a fun, fluffy buzzword. And if you don't feel like doing it one morning, you're just like, oh, well self-care is a face mask and I don't feel like doing a face mask. So we're not going to do it today, but really it's the spiritual work. It's things like therapy. Like Therapy is not an easy thing most of the time. You have to be super vulnerable. Sitting down in silence meditating for 20 minutes a day, it's not an easy thing. But once you start to practice it. And not everything is for everyone. I I do believe in like finding the practices that are right for you. But once you do and you test things out and you figure out what does work for you, it's crazy how things can change. And I really want to hear more about how that's happened for you. So going back a minute, you said you moved to LA and like failed in a sense, or that's how you perceived it as a failure. So what were your goals? Why did you move to LA? What were you hoping to get out of that?
1: You know, hope is such a strong word that I try not to use because hope is like, uh, maybe we can go out on a date. Maybe I'll think about it, right? So I think a lot of it, LA, it was my intuition. Like I've been guided by my internal system since I've been a kid. Like the prayer part, right? I spoke on the spiritual part. Like it just came to me that this is what I need to do. I follow suit and universe. Provides, but I think for me, graduating from college um, from Hampton University in 2010, uh, I came home from college and my dad sat me down. He's like, son, I don't want you to be here in Baltimore. You know, it's dangerous or, you know, it's, it's what it is. You should go to LA. Um, and at this time, my dad has never really given me advice on life in that sense. Other than don't have kids too soon, don't get no felonies, don't have no bad credit. That's always resonated from my dad for me. But this was different. Like, dad, you're telling me you don't want me in LA? You've never talked like this. Okay. So from there, I went to a friend's mom house to get a graduation gift for graduating. And she said, Eric, you should go to LA, go on career builder or somewhere and apply for a job and leave. The two don't know each other. Cool. That's, a sec- that's two signs. Wow. I go back to Hampton in Virginia to clean out my um, apartment to finish packing. While I'm there, I said, "You know what? Let me apply for a job. I want to do something in sports." So, LA Sports Marketing was an opportunity to submit an application. I applied, submitted it, and in two hours they hit me back like, "We want to interview." I said, "Bingo!" There are times of charm. That was probably like June third, June fourth. I had a graduation party June June fifth or seventh. And I left for L.A. June 12, 2010. So my intuition led me to L.A. And like when I got to L.A., I stayed at a friend's house for a week. He didn't think I was coming. He's like, man, you should come. And what happened was the job I applied for, I went on an interview and it was a fraud. They would play on college kids, insecurity and being naive, not knowing, and take advantage of them. So some of the kids would go to the job and they would work and they wouldn't even get paid. But when I got there and I opened my mouth up, they were just kind of like shocked. Like, oh, this guy is not like just some regular, average kid. He's aware. He's mature. And So it didn't work. But it's funny because wow. that got me to go to LA, right? Like that was the, that job was the anchor. Like, go! You have a job. Now, and if I didn't have that, maybe I wouldn't be in LA. So from there, I got to LA and get a, couldn't get a job anywhere. And then I applied for every job, and the first job was a sneaker store, and I just kind of did what I thought I should do, and I was just learning and failing and failing and learning, and I started to understand. And the, the crazy thing is, the first job I ever had when I got here was a TV show. Really? The show was Zach and Cody. Huh? So... Right. The Sweet, life, so death and, yeah, <laughs> sweet life on Deck with Zach and
0: expecting that. Yeah.
1: Sweet Life on Deck with Zach and Cody.
0: Awesome.
1: So in LA to make money or to make ends meet, what a lot of people do when they first get here. A lot of them move in North Hollywood, where I moved. And they do they go to Central Casting, which is in Burbank, where I live now, which is so funny. Mm-hmm. And you go apply and you do background acting. You know, so I've been on shows like uh, what is it, Greek Life, uh, Baggage with Jerry Springer. Uh, I did a commercial with Genio Turkey Burger. I made like fifteen thousand off that. So
0: wow. What, what I
1: what I'm saying is is that my first ever paying gig in this town, I was a stand in NBA player on the Zach and Cody show. I was playing DeRon <laughs> Williams. So a stand in is someone who stands in for the actual talent. That kind of like mocks them. So when they come mm-hmm. to set, they know exactly what to stand and where to go and what to do. Right. I was making like, I only was there three days, made $175 a day, met Kevin Love, the White Howard, the Ryan Williams, it was Cool. Fun. So when I fast forward my life, I'm like, bam! I go back on TV. I'm like, maybe this is why I'm in this town. But I've never came to LA. Like, I want to pursue acting. I want to be, the intention was to go to grad school. Well, wow. And I didn't pan out.
0: What did you want to study?
1: Business. So I graduated, I had to be, I got a BS from Hampton in um Entrepreneurship. So I wanted to go to USC or UCLA and get an MBA, you know, Master in Business Administration. And I look at the numbers. I'm like, oh, I can't afford that. I'm already 40000 in debt, you know? Yeah. Jeez. So I had to take a detour and then I had to find a job, of course. I mean, you still need to work. And my, the only job I could attract at that time was a sneaker store, Chic Shoes, at the Beverly Center. It was an <laughs> urban known store and they sold sneakers and women heels. And I was a sales associate.
0: And did being in L.A. ultimately then lead you to The Bachelor, with led, which led you to a ton of other opportunities as well, or is that not well,
1: correlated? Well, the, the thing is, I still, while I was here, I did the background acting for money, but I didn't do it to be on TV, right? Right. The interesting thing about the whole Bachelor and this whole TV thing is that, what part of town are you in, by the way?
0: I'm in New York City.
1: Oh, you're in New York City. Um, Are, are you a vegan? you you follow no. vegan? Okay. She's like, I, eat <laughs> I eat everything.
0: I eat everything.
1: Anyway, so there's a, a good friend of mine who I went to high school with. I met her when I got to LA, and she was the one who told me to go to Central Casting and apply and get, to get on the, to make some money. So interesting, six or maybe seven years later, that same person, Aisha Cole, Pinky Cole, she's the owner of Slutty <laughs> Vegan Restaurant in Atlanta. It's like a big-time vegan chain uh-huh. restaurant. She was the one who brought bachelorette opportunity into my world because she had a friend who was looking to cast guys from baltimore onto the season of rachel Lindsay. so it was like she it was like she was the gatekeeper for me to go on tv crazy kinda, you know but like i said i didn't come to la to do tv for that it was never in yeah. my wheelhouse it was never like i want to be an actor like i'm better at i love improv you know script stuff mm-hmm. i'm like ah. i get nervous <laughs> because i want to be myself Totally. That happened. And when I got on the show and I did those 10 weeks and I traveled the world and I came off, I found out my purpose. I said, TV is the bait to get people to come into my world, to give them the truth about being authentic, about being empowered, being yourself. Don't lose yourself to go after your dreams. Become yourself to go after your dreams. And I feel like I was chosen to go on TV to say, hey, guys, look at me. Bigger. Oh, I, this I look this way, but let me give you the story. Let me give you the pain. Let me give you the trauma. Let me give you the experience that got me in this place. So TV is a vehicle that I've known to help in so many ways, but amplify my career and my life and my experiences to give me new and profound perspective on all of life, all of America, all of the nation, because when you go into that world and you're in a consistent space, you get to see things people don't see. You experience things people don't know about. You have access that others don't have. So your paradigm is not shifted the way someone who doesn't live in that space is. Right? Like they're looking at it. So someone might look at me like, "Yeah, man, you should be in movies." And then blah blah blah. And I'm like, "Yeah, but I'm like, what if I don't want to be in a movie?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what if it ain't the time for that? Because like I believe life is timing. You have to trust the timing of your life. I think when we're in a rat race and we're trying to speed up our life, we want to make something happen, and that's what I was failing at. Right? It wasn't until I got off the show and I sat down and my manager, who became my manager at the time, it was a great friend of mine, Michael Collins, said, "You can't do Uber anymore. I was doing Uber before the Bachelorette. You can't do Uber." You got to sit still. And in that moment, sitting still for a week, I had to pay my rent. My rent was probably like 1850 at the time. 2017. I'm like, oh, I'm going to make money. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to make money, right? So what I learned was that the best way to evolve and become your best self and get the things you want, and it's so hard when you're programmed to the rat race and you have a job, a nine to five, no not to anyone who has it. You have to let go. So I had to let go of I got to do these jobs and make money and make do and make rent, right? Which was hard. But when I got it, and it was funny because that moment, I didn't know how I was going to pay my rent. And like the third day before rent was due, I got an opportunity to do a commercial. And they flew me to Baltimore. I shot the commercial and they paid me $2,500. Just enough to pay my rent and have some money left. Wow. Me, right? So it was me telling, it was the universe telling me like, I have you, I got you, but I need you to trust by you overdoing it and, and, and working, and overcompensating, you're not trusting me. You know, you're not trusting the universe, what it has for you. So you're in the way of it. So you're knocking your own blessings. But when I just sat still, I let go. You know, I worked out. I worked on myself. I read books. did everything I thought I should do. Maybe I had a client on the side that I was training still. It just all came. Just like you. Like, I don't know how you found my platform or found me. I don't even know. It don't even matter. You want to interview. I know. Right, And I can tell
0: you actually, it's right. I knew you obviously because I'm a fan of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, yeah. but I, I came back full circle around because I'm friends with Scout Sobel who I've had on this podcast and oh. she went live on your Instagram talking about mindset and mindfulness and entrepreneurship yeah. and I tuned in and recognized that you were talking about this larger thing, which goes back to you took an opportunity and the platform that comes with it and used it for good to fulfill your purpose, which you didn't yeah. realize you had until getting right. the perspective from that opportunity, which is so crazy. And I think what you're saying is like, a lot of the times we fall victim to our limiting beliefs too. And you had this limiting belief that like, if I stop, I won't make money and I won't yes. make my rent. And you know, and you, you, it's also like broadening.
1: <laughs> Sweetable moment. Say it again, please. <laughs> Come on, Jen Lauren. <laughs>
0: Broadening your your uh perspectives also to like yeah. we have to broaden our perspectives to understand that it's we don't have to fall victim to our limiting beliefs, but also it's so hard to recognize your limiting beliefs in yeah. the moment.
1: In the moment, yes, Yeah.
0: It's so crazy. Be so still. I'm curious, also, like clearly you've done. And I want to get into all of your books and everything. Yeah. And I, I also want your your tips on some certain mindset shifts that we can have. But yeah. I, am, I do have to ask, like, okay, so you found yourself on reality TV. Clearly, mm-hmm. it brought such great opportunity. And now you're allowed to finally be that on- entrepreneur that you wanted to yeah. be. And, you know, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of pressures – that come from newfound fame, being a, real, a very, very, very popular reality TV show. How did you? How did that experience affect your mental health and how did you use your mindset to navigate that newfound fame, the opportunities and the pressures that come with
1: it? I think for me, it strengthened my mental health because I was already strong because of the environment I grew up in. You gotta have thick skin growing up in Baltimore because it's a lot of violence, a lot of drugs, it's negative. Um, you gotta always be on point. So the stuff that was happening in the social space or on reality television, it wasn't that it didn't affect me because I had a nervous breakdown. I mean, I had a, a, a crying moment on national TV when I was on Paradise. Yeah. Um, I was frustrated on The Bachelorette when I had guys going against me. It was hard, right? But I knew once I continued to like go forward and learn as much as I could, and also I have like people who help me in life. I have an energy healer. I have an astrologer. I have a spiritual advisor and so my spiritual advisor at the time it still is jolay morton she's amazing she uh when i got off the show she said listen every day is going to be like game seven so the more affluence you gain the more spiritual you have to become because it's going to be intense every day and it's all going to come down to how you respond so in my mind my mentality was like okay i have an opportunity I have a duty and I have a responsibility to take advantage of this advantage. And I'm not going to waste it. I'm not going to uh, 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 take it lightly. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to figure it out. And whatever I deal with, I'm going to get through it. But God has given me a platform, has given me a space to kind of create and motivate and inspire. Okay, how do I evolve this? How do I add value? And how do I use this for good to help the people behind me or the people who don't think they even can get out of this situation? So I think my perspective was always an intention was to always not only amplify my life, but like, how can I help others that think this is the life, right? Because I didn't choose this life. This life chose right. me because I didn't come to LA to be on TV. TV chose me. I just happened to be in the right space at the right time to go on a television. And then people will say, but easy for you to say. It's like, no, I had to stay on television. I couldn't just be like, yeah, Rachel picked me all the way to week 10. I had to stay on the show. So there were certain things that I had to become aware of, certain things that I had to change to kind of like understand the, the dynamic of the show. Because when I was in the first few weeks, I was just straight getting straight to the, what's your biggest fear? Are you afraid of love? Like, I wouldn't even let it, I wasn't letting it marinate, right? It's like, bro, well, yeah. save that to the night portion. Don't talk about, it. talk about the surroundings <laughs> and the, because I was in fear, right? I was in fear of being rejected. So I wanted to know the answers right now. Let me know. Do you like me? Are you into me? And, and honestly, the show healed me. It literally healed me. It was free therapy. We had a therapist on the show. I went to 10 countries. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went to, I went to uh, 10, for 10 weeks, I went to six countries.
0: Was that your like, first time ever having a therapist?
1: Yeah. First time in my life. I mean, I had friends that we kind of would go back and forth and help each other because we had information and we read books and went to seminars. But I never had a real life therapist who, she told me, so funny, perception is something. She's like, she came to me week eight, week nine of the show. And I'm like, why did you wait so long to come see me? She said, because all the guys that were seeing me in the first few weeks were saying you were helping them. Oh. I'm like, huh? She was like, yeah, this person, that person. They said they was coming to you and you was giving them advice and helping them think and, I'm like, well, I went through the worst. I got into tour with the bachelorette. I got into tour with three guys in the house. I, uh, I fell off the golf cart. I banged up my body. I almost dislocated my shoulder. I went through the worst. That's why it's miracle season. is so powerful because to get a miracle, you're not just going to get it. You got to go through a metamorphosis, a transformation, and that's what I went through. And I fell in love, and my life changed. My mindset changed. I was more vulnerable. I opened up. It, it changed my family life. My body changed. Like, it was incredulous. I can't even, it was like, huh? I remember <laughs> in Spain, we're in the middle of an alley in Spain at one, two a.m. in the morning. The producer name is Louie. I'm like, Louis, how in the hell did I get here? I'm. This is so surreal. This is the moment where you get the Kiwi for fantasy suites. It's cold. I'm in my, my pea coat with my suit on. And I'm like, huh? Is this real? He's like, you did it, my man. This is all you. But when I said it's miracle season on the AFR, to then it was like that was a foreshadow. But everything in between those days and weeks, I had to go through something to be in that moment. So so I always tell people, don't shoot yourself in the foot or don't play the victim or don't cancel yourself out of something great because it's not happening now. Because as an entrepreneur working for yourself, it's still like still trying to find ways to evolve my brand evolve my image, evolve my spiritual currency and a stratosphere to help people help themselves. So it's not always easy as it seems or because a person makes it look easy. I just told you all the stuff I do before I even leave the house. That's every day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so it's tedious.
0: And how do you stay authentic to yourself? Like how through that entire experience to now, what have you found helps you stay in your most authentic, authentic self or your highest self or however you describe it
1: honestly losing people like this evolution game you lose people they say you got to let go so you can grow and sometimes i mean you got to let people go that you thought were for you and maybe they were for you in those moments or which what, or what they could get out of you but i have to let a lot of people go on this journey and it becomes to a place where you spend a lot of time alone right and you start realizing People think they know you more than you know you. And they want to tell you about yourself. And I'm like, I hear you. You might be older than me. You might have the perspective I don't have. But I got myself in this position. You didn't. I had to go on these TV shows. I had to speak at this conference. I had to be vulnerable on national TV. I had to I had to open up. You didn't have to open up. So I'm not knocking what you're saying, but you can't tell me how to be me more than me. You can help me be more of me. But I think it was just like, self-analysis, losing people, reading books, growing, and just wanting to be better. That's just been my whole thing, my whole life. I want to be better. I want to be better so I can help others be better. I want people to feel good because I know what it's like to be in pain. I want people to feel love and feel joy because I know what it's like not to feel that, right? So what do I need to be? What do I need to do? And it's, that's, That's what just kind of got me to this space and got me in this place of just really letting people go, losing people. Because some people can hold you back, right, with their energy, their thoughts, their perceptions, um, their small-mindedness, or their envy of you not wanting to be what you're becoming. Because I think for me, people always question, how? How are you doing this? What are you doing? And I always say because I'm showing up every day. The best way I know how. And some days I don't show up feeling great. Some days I'm inauthentic with myself. I'll go give everybody else love. I won't give myself love. Right? So I have low moments. I have times where I don't want to do an interview. I don't want to talk to people. No, I don't want to smile. No, I don't want to talk. So what happens is people start putting you in a box. Oh, what's wrong with you today? Nothing's wrong. Just because I'm not benefiting your existence to make you feel good, I'm fine. And so you start running into like, okay, I'm tired of being fake with these two people who are fake with me. Like, no. I was reading something with Oprah yesterday, uh, years ago, and she said she was a people pleaser. And I was there for 29 years. And that stuff gets you in so much uh, pain emotionally, internally as a person, that you don't know how to say no. You don't want people to, to be mad at you. or You don't want to upset people. And then you just get to a point, man, I'm tired of living for everybody else. I need to live for me. What do I want? What do I need? What makes me happy?
0: So, yeah, I've, I've also gotten into that place. I think through the pandemic, I really realized how bad my people-pleasing was. Mm-hmm. And it was like the craziest concept to me to do something just because that's what I wanted to do or rather – to not do something or to not go to someone or something that I was supposed to go to because I didn't want to. Like I thought that was such a crazy concept. And I think the idea of setting boundaries is – it's so hard. It's so hard when you're a people pleaser to go from that to figuring out a way to setting boundaries so that you can live life for you and to also recognize there can be people in your life who were you feel obligated to stay close to because they've been in your life for so long. But it's okay if things are just not connecting at that time. And you have to recognize that's another part of self-awareness. Like when people are draining your energy rather than giving you energy. And I think that's kind of what you were just talking about. Someone who – is draining your energy, telling you how you're supposed to act, not being pleased with how you're (laughs) acting. Like it's, you're living for you. And it's so hard because obviously like we're in a world of people and loved ones and relationships are the most important, like such an important part of life. But you need to also be able to recognize which relationships are draining you and which are filling you up.
1: Yeah. And 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 it's true because once you can, and, and here's the thing, I think I got caught up in codependency. I got, I created this narrative or persona for myself that my family and friends need me. So I depended on them to need me, to be me for them. But I wasn't being me for me. All yeah. my identity was created out, oh, like a father of a family. Like, oh, I got to take care of them and they need me. So let me go be this for them. And then come kind of realize they don't really need me. So, and then when you're down and out or you low or whenever, they don't even know to even know that you're off. They don't even check in because they never had to. They never did. You always checked in. So I had to kind of like put myself in place like, why are you doing that? Why do you keep sending money? Why do you keep feeling like you got to offer advice and like, they're not asking for that. And Because you're afraid to be alone. You're afraid to look at what do I want. That's what a people a people pleaser is someone who's afraid to look at their insecurities, to look at their wants, their needs. They're afraid to ask for what they want. They're afraid to say no. It's like, no, no, no. Today, I don't want to work out today. I'm sitting in the house. I'm going to eat some gummy bears and banana pudding. That's nothing in your And your, your brain, that doesn't make sense. That's not even like you. Or, I don't want to talk right now. Well, what's wrong? Nothing's wrong. Just not in a place to talk. But before, I will talk, right? Because I want to please you. I want to satisfy right. you. I want you to be happy. And when you're your authentic self, those things don't move you anymore. And you're not conditioned or programmed to someone else's opinion or feeling about something you're doing to benefit your life. Because haven't I made those decisions to go on the show, you wouldn't even be on my phone or asking for help or even looking for me because it's funny I was talking to my sister a few days ago and you know she she was questioning like what type of women I'm into, what type of women I date, right? And I was like, "Sis, I hear you, I appreciate it. Great. But let me ask you a question. You never was concerned? You never considered This ever in my life why does it matter now you have opinion now because i'm in a social space and that's what i put out in the world you didn't care about this i've been in la 11 years i went on tv show the tv show my seventh year out here where were your advice and energy in that world then so it's like like i said again people will make something a priority or make something relevant to your ears or your mind when they never cared before And it's no, not to them. I just always Mm. had to put people back into a reality of like, let's talk about this. Why are you telling me this now? Right? Yeah. So it's, that's another thing about fame and having public success. People view you for it, good and bad, even in dating. You know, you like, you meet someone, you like them, you're like, oh, you're cool. But they don't really know your world. And then they find out you're in that world. Their world changes in their mind for how they see you. So now you're like, Okay, (laughs) I get it. But what I'm saying is that sometimes the position we're in in life is always not the best or the most fulfilling based on what people are seeing because there's so many internal things. Like you said, mental health that you have to go through and you have to grow through to keep going because if you don't have mental fortitude, it's hard to to live in this world. Because I know people who suffer from depression, who suffer from anxiety, who can't handle negativity, who can't handle people on Reddit or whatever talking bad about them. because they're so conditioned based on their past to give energy to that. And I'm just like, man, people going to talk, that's what they do. We all talk, right? Like, but I know in person, they're not going to say that. So why would I give it energy in a moment? Not that it doesn't affect me because it does. You know, you see comments, you're like, damn, wow,
0: of course. <laughs> what
1: did I do? You know, but... <laughs> Once you evolve in a space and you have emotional intelligence and you enhance that, not too much stuff really gets to you because you understand like they're coming from a place or wherever they're at in life. Or maybe they could be right or could be wrong, but I can't give too too much energy into someone who don't even care about me. You don't even know me to care about me. So why would I waste time? But I think mental health is very important um, and we have to create boundaries. But what I'm learning I look at creating boundaries and making money the same, right? So where I come from, people say, you know, get the money, make the money, do this, get the opportunity, but no one tells you what to do with the money, right? Because mm-hmm. you can make all the money in the world, but if you don't know where to do it, how do you evolve it? Or they like say you got to create boundaries. Y- yeah, I I do, I know that, but how do I create a boundary? How? Like, no one tells you that. They we just we just give you like do this but how do I create a balance what does that look like what does that feel like try not answer my phone for people so I should say no all the time do I be authentic you know like and I think when it comes to like life and talking on like podcasts and talking to shows from my perspective I feel like we got an internalize, like you said earlier like yeah all those good words and we you know like yeah. let's, <laughs> let's get to the real Mr. Bigger like right you know, all that like what did you you get here I got you know like let's break it down to layman's terms let's really really peel the onion back and say this is how you create boundaries and this is why you know I've written books about transformation or you know inspiration because I'm giving you step by step or day by day this is what I'm feeling this is what I'm going through but don't think because I make it look easy that it's easy because it's not
0: so how do you create boundaries?
1: Well, from my end, is uh, it comes from self-awareness. You can't just tell somebody something without checking in with, why Why am I telling this person this? Like, Because I might have emotion that might erupt, and I'm like, ah. But you don't know what that emotion is coming from. You might be thinking it's them. It might be a family member. So I think the best way to create a boundary is to really check in with yourself. When someone says... I want to invite you onto my podcast. You say, okay, check in with yourself. How does that make you feel in the moment? Is this something you want to do? Does this make business sense? Does this make personal sense? Why? So then you check in. And usually in my position, when people firstly get in this world, they're afraid to say no to money, to opportunities. So when you check in and you analyze like, okay, you know what? I would love to do your podcast, but right now I'm so busy with work, we have to reschedule, right? That's creating a boundary. But when you say yes to something you know you can't be available for, you not only disappoint yourself, you disappoint the host and everyone involved because you're not in a space to receive whatever it's trying to get out of that. Or you learn how to communicate. I think that's where people get stuck. We don't know how to articulate our feelings, emotions, and thoughts when we don't want to do something or when we can't do something, like if <laughs> and I'm working on this cause sometimes my delivery can be off. It's not what you say, it's how you say it.
0: Right? It's so true. It's it's there's such a respectful way to set your boundaries. And I yeah. think people get scared that the idea of like setting boundaries and saying no to something equals being rude and saying sorry, I don't want to come to your birthday because I don't feel like it. Like yeah. that's not how you should say it. Yeah. You should say, honestly, I woke up at five a.m. I'm so sorry. I was so excited to celebrate you, but I'm exhausted and I just right. won't even be fun tonight. Like there's there's different ways to phrase yeah. it, and I think that's so important and learning the communication aspect.
1: Yeah, and I think as people, we're not programming conditioned to communicate effectively to get a point across. We're only programmed to communicate from a victim perspective and not a victor, right? Because if I'm communicating, I was just reading this. Like when I have niece and nephews, they're, they, they always fight with each other. They're like three, four, five ages apart, but it's all for power. I want to be right. No, I want to be right. You know, it like, it's like, it's back and forth. Like, and I tell people it's okay to be wrong, but you don't always have to agree. You can disagree to someone's agreement, but it's the ego. The ego's in the way. The ego's bruised. The ego wants to win. The ego wants to be in Mm -hmm. first. The ego wants to make all the money. The ego wants all the fame. The ego wants all the attention. And not realizing what it's doing to the soul. It's damaging your soul because you're not being authentic with yourself. And that's creating a boundary. That's having effective communication. And I think effective communication comes from reading, listening to people, studying it, and really being aware of like, Why am I afraid to tell someone the truth about how I feel? So what most people do, they just avoid it or just expect someone to understand what they're feeling. Like communication rules the nation. You have to communicate, but if you don't know how to, what do you do? You shut down. So then when you shut down, that shuts the other person down because they don't understand what's wrong or why you're not responding. And I think sometimes for me what's challenging Based on what I, the energy I give off and who I am to people, they feel like they got to be their best self when I'm on the phone with them or they in my presence. And I'm telling them, like, I like you. I love you. I support you unconditionally. But perception, energetically, they don't know how to say, Eric, I'm just, I ain't got it in me today, man. I don't want to hear your, your pet talk about motivation. <laughs> Let me talk about something else. Right. that's being being authentic and that's also creating a boundary it's like okay oh okay appreciate you being honest I'm not gonna be upset with you by you telling me the truth I'm only upset when you're not telling me that because I can sense you're not being authentic because you don't want to disappoint me because how you you put me on a pedestal in your mind I'm a human just like you and I can feel when you're being inauthentic because you don't want to you want to people please or you don't want to say no like no tell me no I always say tell me no and I'll leave you alone you don't yeah. have to say yes to me. However you tell me no and it's the truth and say yes when you really can't do something.
0: And then you can't also expect this, like you want to expect the same respect and, yeah. and honesty in return. You want to be able to be honest with your friend or whoever it is also. Yeah. So it's, yeah.
1: it's, it's, but I think mine's, the info, the information and energy I possess or I retrieve, what happens is, and you probably know this, the more information you get, and experiences, you become it, right? So when you're around people who are not in that stratosphere, they're affected differently and they can't even explain why they feel that way when they're around. Or they're intimidated or they don't know how to say because like your energy is at a place where it's like, um, where they don't know, like, no, I'm shit, I'm here all through in and throughout. But it's hard when a person have, like I said, we don't have information to understand the situation. So it's important to be aware. Well,
0: that's what we're doing here. We're trying to spread the information. So yes. let's talk about your books. You have amazing books. I can't, I definitely want to read one. I think you just came out with one like this yeah. week or something, right?
1: Uh, So it dropped uh, October 15th, but we did a book celebration on November 4th. Uh, Yeah. hundred days of wisdom, hundred quotes to live a more inspired life. So for a hundred straight days, I have a book, a quote book inspirational quotes that you read early in the morning. On the side of a quote is a note page. You take your notes and then you read once again at night to keep it into your subconscious, to keep you consistent, to develop discipline so you can be dedicated. And, and then on top of that, I have a course that you can also purchase with the book that's attached to while I'm in the course, reading a quote, breaking down what it means so you can understand it so you can have better perspective. But the book is to curate consistency within people, discipline, and for them to be dedicated to look at their life in a different way and let, let them know that if I can do it, you can do it. You don't have to give up. You don't have to doubt yourself. You don't have to be um, inauthentic with yourself, but just show up. And it's, it's, been, it's been doing great, you know, and I just think for me, like I said, it's all about awareness because I can open my book. I actually got one right here. So I can open my book and I say, okay, day 53. When you're going through something, never put the pain on the next person. If anything, ask for help. Never be a burden to someone who is a blessing in your life. Stop having excuses for the same mistakes. You must change. No one wants to be irresponsible or lazy because it never pays. Right? So Something as simple as that, you read that, you take it in, it might help, it might not help, but you can send it to someone, but it's going to make you think, right? These are quotes that's coming from my soul and my spirit when I was struggling here in L.A. trying to figure out how do I get to the next level. Uh, so, yeah, that's out. You can get it. It's, you know, Lincoln's in the bio, on Instagram, Twitter. It's also available on Amazon, but I'd rather people purchase from my site because then I get all the data and I can send out the books. I can sign a copy. Uh, Great to know. It's it's fun. Well, I
0: I love the notes section part because I feel like so often we can read a quote and it just like goes over your head and you don't really retain it. But when you can relate it to your own life in the notes section, love it. He's showing it here. Oh, (laughs) that's so cute. The heart. I love that. (laughs) So- these quotes were they how did you find them? Are they just quotes that you've always looked to over the years? Like how did you pull the quotes?
1: Well these are quotes from my soul. These oh you created that, them. Yeah, these are my quotes. Oh awesome. so basically back in like 2015, 16, I did a mastermind with Lewis Howes and and then awesome. it was a month, you had to create a product. So my product was an ebook at the time. It wasn't that cover, it was I had to revamp it. But all my quotes come from on Instagram was with Instagram videos with 15 seconds. So I would do videos, motivation, Monday, wisdom, Wednesday, what's positive Friday, every week. It was pumping out videos for years. Right. So I took a hundred of those videos, the words, right. That I created became my quotes and I put in the book. So it's another way to create content. Right. Just like you take this podcast, I can upload it on my podcast. It's content. Right. Um, I love that. But that's how it came about. And at the time, these quotes was giving me life because, like I said, when I didn't have a job, I had all this time. I was still training and doing the thing, but I had all this time. So I would come up with like, I would think about things. I would read things. And I would just like, today, Motivation Monday you know, you gotta believe in yourself, you gotta go hard and never give up when it gets hard because that's when the blessing comes in. Keep going, peace and love, boom. There's a quote, right? <laughs> and then you you become disciplined in that and it becomes your life and that's how that book came. And it was straight from my soul when I was trying to figure out, I think it was like 26, 27 when I kinda uh, did those videos. So it's it was, it's been a blessing and the thing is, it's timeless. You can always use the book. Like my own quote pimped me a few right. weeks ago. <laughs> so when I was going through something, I'm like, damn, I wrote That's this? Amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing.
0: Jesus. That's amazing. Okay. Well, I feel like I could talk to you about all of this for another hour, but we can't. So <laughs> let's go nah, into the fun. ending segment. Let's get it. Um, it's called fun facts and favorites. So I know we, we talked about this briefly, but can you list out what is your morning routine?
1: Uh, morning routine, wake up, uh, affirmations, uh, meditation, prayer, gratitude statements, and then I go work out.
0: And what is your workout? Gym, strength training?
1: Yeah, I'm in a gym. You know, I'm, I'm either using weights or I'm doing cardio. It depends on how my body feels in the in the moment. So I'm usually I do full body workouts, but yeah, it's at least 45, 30 to 45 minutes in a gym. Or if not, I'm I'm running outside, some form of physical movement.
0: And when you're working out, whether it's running or in the gym, are you someone who listens to music or a podcast?
1: It all it all all depends on the moment. Some <laughs> most times, like if it's early, early in the morning, I I listen to like uh, Bob Proctor does, like money affirmations. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you first wake up, your subconscious is still in I think theta space, like as if you're sleeping, so it's still open. So I try to make sure I'm putting the right information. So I do affirmations or I listen to something like to Wayne Dyer or something motivational. But then sometimes I just want to crank it up. Or I want to go hard. I need some music. Yeah. Right?
0: Okay, what's your favorite podcast?
1: Wow, that's a good question. I love Lewis Howes, School of Greatness is really good. Uh uh Sean Stevenson, uh, the Model Health Show. And then last but not least, I love um uh, Tom Billiard, I believe he has Impact Theory. So great, he interviews like it's, it's he, his. He's the founder of Quest Bar Quest Quest Nutrition. He sold it years ago, but he has it. Look him up; he's great. Um, but yeah, those are both self development podcasts are my thing.
0: Awesome, same here. Okay, when do you feel your happiest?
1: Uh, when I'm having fun, or. I'm having fun when I'm working out. Well, probably early in the morning. I get most of my energy in the morning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. What would be your last meal on earth?
1: I had this question before. Uh, <laughs> someone's like, really? That's going to be your last meal? <laughs> I just, uh, so I would say, I always say this. I don't know why. just in my subconscious. Uh, salmon, asparagus. <laughs> uh, quinoa, uh, oh. some sauteed spinach or kale. And I gotta have, um, some, uh, some cornbread. Right? I gotta have some cornbread. Okay,
0: fine. And fine. maybe some
1: peach cobbler. and some there com- we go. And some kombucha <laughs> and maybe some sparkling water and I'll be good.
0: I was going to say, can we get a dessert? Is yeah, it just yeah, yeah, vegetables? Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. okay. And some gummy bears. Okay. Oh, I gotta
1: get a gummy bears in there. That's my favorite.
0: Okay, fine, fine, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I accept.
1: <laughs> I got to make myself okay. feel good by having some healthy stuff in there. Just at oh, I did this. <laughs>
0: yeah, I respect that. And then you hit the peach cobbler. <laughs>
1: yeah, let's get it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right, where can the people find you, purchase your book, all of the things?
1: Yes, so you can find me on Instagram at Eric Bigger, E-R-I-C-B-I-G-G-E-R. And you can find me at It'sMiracleSeason.com. The link is in my bio on my Instagram twitter eric underscore bigger and the link as well is there i have my merch it's miracle season merch i have 100 days of wisdom physical copies ebooks my transformation book my e-course for uh 100 days of wisdom is available i'm pushing that now so that's out go get that and uh yeah i'm on tiktok as well pumping out motivation baby and i also <laughs> have a, a coaching page on instagram it's uh e bigger speaks so follow that get entwined and uh Motivation for the nation, inspiration for the soul, and uh, love for all. That's it.
0: Awesome. I feel motivated to make some sort of ebook or something now. You do so much. You're spreading your message. I love it so Uh, much. All right. Thank you for coming on the podcast.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: I hope you enjoyed that episode. I would so appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate, review, and definitely subscribe so that you don't miss another insightful episode. You can also engage with the community on the Dare to Self Care podcast Instagram. So definitely join us all there and I will see you guys next week. Bye.